Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Now Bali podcast with me, Eddie Spears. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to welcome a special guest, Chokkade Kurtiyasa, as together we discuss Bali's healing and wellness traditions. I interviewed Chokkade for a feature article in Now Bali magazine, published in our January-February edition with the title, Ancient Healing Traditions of the Balian Usada. Now, for those who don't know, the Balian are a unique aspect of the Balinese culture. They've been called many things, from witch doctor to mediums to shaman to healers. This is because there are many types of Balian, each with their own specialization. The article focused on the Balian Usada, the traditional doctor, known as the scholars of this field, absorbing the knowledge of ancient Lontar manuscripts, which teaches them about herbs, medicinal plants, preparing medicines, diagnoses. There are, of course, more mystical and spiritual aspects to this work as well. Chokkade Kurtiyasa provides particularly unique insight into Balinese healing. Coming from a mixed background, his mother, Juro Asri Kurtiyasa, is Australian. His father, Chukorda Raka Kurtiyasa, is Balinese and was a spiritual healer. He has been able to bridge different philosophies and approaches. He founded Tirta Usada, a holistic clinic and research center in Ubud. Through this, he offers a healing approach that encompasses both the Usada traditions here in Bali and the natural medicine he studied, researched, and practiced in Sydney, Australia. So he brings an East meets West science meets spirituality perspective into this very interesting topic. We have a wide-ranging discussion that covers Balinese healing traditions in the modern age, how Chokkade takes elements of science and spirituality for his work, why Bali's cosmology is important to holistic healing, and also what it will take to make Bali's healing offerings more trusted and robust. If this is a subject that interests you, why not download our January-February edition for free and read all about the Balian Usada in our feature story. The link for that can be found in the show notes. This interview was conducted over Zoom, so the sound quality isn't great, but the conversation is very clear. We jump straight into the topic at hand, so I hope you enjoy this episode and this discussion with Chokkade Kurtiyasa from Tirta Usada. There's a lot of untethered, as we would say, you know, there's a lot of untethered practice that goes on. Yeah. With, um, you know, actually every medical and healing tradition has a code of ethics, you know. Yeah. Basically. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're a doctor, you know, I actually studied naturopathy, homeopathy, you know, we we do we do a semester on, on ethics, you know. It's a... And in Bali, we we have that as well. You know, every tradition has its code of ethics, um, and it's it's nothing complicated. It's just like you know, don't take advantage of people, basically, and yeah. uh, and and do your best, tell the truth, and um, you know, another code of ethics that I, often people are surprised when I tell them. I say, I don't want to see you again. My goal is never to see you again, mm. except you know, no offense to you, but. Um, <laughs> You know, true healing is not is not something where you buy a package. Yeah. You, know, you don't buy 10 consultations up front, which a lot of chiropractors and, and a lot of other people do. Yeah. And that is already, that's already gone against the code of ethics of healing. Mm-hmm. It's to do the least, with the least, um, you know, the least amount of intervention possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then what is the definition of healing as well? You have to ask yourself that. Um, I think that is kind of, and that's actually something that you don't even, we don't, I didn't even learn what that was. And um, what's true healing versus um, palliation, perhaps, you know, if if someone calls themselves a healer, then it's about, it's about like true healing. And true healing occurs through transformation, through the transformation of that disease energy, 
in Bali we have this this saying, you know, uh, you know, we we can be demons or we can be gods. Mm. You know, it's like that's a that's a human being. We have those we have both potentials. Yeah. We can um we can, you know, when it's I mean the lower kind of half of the being is considered to be in that in that range of, of the demons. And it's uh again, it's not like a, a demons are bad sort of a thing. I mean they, they kind of are, but um it's about more like what do you want to express in this life? Do you want to be a dis- do you want to be destructive or do you want to be constructive? So yeah. so healing also should take that into account. Um to transform those lower energies, those, I mean, we literally call them demonic energies here, into something that is sublimated. You know, it's an alchemical process of sublimation, of, of making something uh, more exalted, you know. Yeah. And the disease is the lesson that takes you in that direction. We'll all, all experience the disease. The diseases are the lessons that we need to experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of a lot of promises made. There's a lot of, uh, and even you know, a lot of the a lot of the shamans and things. You know, they they're also doing this. They're not doing true transformational healing. They're doing what I call translocation, which is the moving of the disease. Um, you will have, all, you know, in every culture you hear about these guys that that booked out. They you come and they'll they'll take your disease out and they'll put it into something actually they put it into eggs or into chickens or into and then they'll they'll kill the chicken or they'll bury the egg and actually that entity that disease entity then goes and flies off and finds someone else. So as humans we have this blessing and the curse of free will. So we actually have the task to transform those energies and return them back to. Um, their rightful place in the cosmos. Yeah. So that's, and it's very, very, you, you know, there's not many people who do that work, you know, even if it doesn't matter if you're working with natural medicine, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't make you a true healer by default. Yeah. And also the word holistic is used a lot. And again, that's, that's often misused as well. Where where people just think that to use a natural medicine is to do something holistic, but that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, it needs to take into the account the three principles. You know, the body, the soul, and the spirit, which we would also, you know, that trinity of principles is also something central to Bali with the Trihitakarana. Yeah, yeah, our connection to the earth, to nature, which would probably be the body, our connection to fellow human beings and connection to nature includes animals and connection towards our fellow human beings, which is the soul. And then our connection to the divine, which is the spirit. Mm. Yeah. So taking those three factors into account, you can, you know, you can do something with transformational healing, but um, when you just sort of, you know, uh, when there's a lot of ego involved and when there's, and when there's money involved and things like that, then we start looking at, yeah, yeah. The the what you're talking about as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I was actually sitting down with a uh, one of the Balians yesterday. Um, yeah. Just to dig up, uh, sort of his learnings and his and his way of thinking, and it was quite interesting to see how. I think he's probably learned a learned cautiousness of over promising. Uh, yeah, doesn't want to promise. He just says, he, he basically yes. uses words like, this is the method that we will try in order to. Uh, yeah. And, but I don't know if this is just because of uh, the pressures that Balian's experienced now, but he was also, mm. he didn't want to cross any medical lines in the sense that, yeah, probably in fear a little bit of, of uh, repercussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know how that affects, you know, how much of this fear of the modern repercussions from the medical community is affecting work uh, for these people now, for these, for these. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, look, I would say 
I would say firstly, it depends on the character and the experience of the of the person. Mm. I mean, I see it actually the opposite. I see the medical profession actually now really in in Bali, especially actually in all of Indonesia. Um, not the government side of it, but the actual, yeah, the medical profession, a lot of them refer people to healers. Mm. And, you know, example is in Sangla, they have they have 24-7 Balians on call. Yeah. They have a whole department for them because they, because, and, and, that, and that wasn't a Balian who went there and asked for them. That was doctors who asked for them. Because oh. they deal with a lot of stuff, you know, and they, and this and they and most most doctors, if they're Bal, I mean, anyone Balinese generally recognizes the fact that there are spiritual, that you know that there are diseases which you cannot deal with medically and not even herbally. I mean, there are there are literal possessions and spiritual um, diseases, you know, black magic that they can't they can't handle and they actually they recognize that. And I've never heard of any Balians being reported to the health department or anything. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know, and that goes, you know, there's there's good and bad be- with that because that also allows for the unethical ones to keep mm. keep doing their thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just one of my staff wants to attend a a seminar a, Kind of a workshop that's being done at the the new big hospital Bali Mandara in Sanon, where there's like a resident, another resident healer there. They're all they're popping up all over the place, and actually the governor put out a, a decree to support that. Mm-hmm. It's still deeply respected at, at many different levels, whether it's in government or otherwise. Yeah, my my uncle, my late uncle Chokorda Nagari Chokorai. He was probably considered the the most respected Balian in Bali. Mm. Um, just just sort of south of Ubud. He recently passed away at 92 um last year. And yeah, he was never, you know, he never he never uh, had any reservations or had any fears. It's a, you know, when you when you're doing it. As a calling, as a spiritual calling, it's like um, you never had any trouble, you know. Uh, only from other, <laughs> only from other Balians, actually, you know, jealous <laughs> Balians. Yeah, yeah, you know, they can try their little stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's an interesting one. There's a two way thing. I've I've advised sometimes also on different different sort of uh, organizations and things, and yeah. The government, you know, the government people come in and they'll try and, you know, put their little thing in. And then um, at the end of the day, they, when they're in trouble, they'll go to a Balian themselves, most mm-hmm. of them. So it's still rather gray. It's a gray area. And I think it depends on the character of the person. Yeah. Where do you, if we're on a spectrum, because like if I look on your website, um, mm. there's a lot of the words of, you know, homeopathy and uh, yeah, homeopathy and, uh, but obviously the name of the your organization is Tirta Usa. Mm-hmm. So in yeah. terms of, you've kind of got a good spectrum there of what is the modern lexicon and then sort of the traditional uh-huh. root, which is Usada. Or, um, yeah. Where, where do you put yourself yeah. on the spectrum of, how much is cultural and traditional? Yeah. How much is yeah. modern uh, learnings in those fields? Um, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of I feel like I've come full circle, mm. and you know, I, I I also recognize that I come from two cultures that have traditions. You know, my mother is essentially Celtic. You know. Australian citizen, but Scottish, Irish, Welsh genealogy, and they have the Druids there, right? They had the Druids, they had the, they, and that tradition still survives. And um, so I, I kind of see myself more as a fusion between um, a Western and an Eastern mystery school. I did, I did training in, you know, I, I have a, science degree um so i kind of 
Yeah, I, I went I went into the scientific world quite deeply. I, I then also went on, I received a scholarship for a master's honours in research, which was going to take me to a PhD. And, you know, three quarters of the way through it, I was like, I can't, like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm operating in the wrong paradigm. So, yeah, the Commonwealth government wasn't very happy with me, but I just dropped it like a hot potato. Um, and... I realized that, that that point was big. I mean, it's a very hard decision because I was, you know, I had professors who were basically my mentors and um, and was 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 in, in research, you know, and I was researching dengue fever actually. Mm. So viral research, which is which gave me a I'm very glad I did that because it gave me a very good perspective on what's happening in the world at the moment. Sure, yeah. And how how a lot of the research you know, I respect science. I respect science because it gives us a level of objectivity. And um, and a lot of my work is actually now based on the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, which might come as a surprise, who's, uh, as well as, um, as uh, my, I have a mentor named Are Thorsen, who's in um, Norway. And, you know, so much of it fits so well within the within the existing philosophies and, and views of traditional Balinese healing. Mm. So I, I went through science and then I and I think you need to do that. I, there's a well I don't think everyone needs to do it. I needed to do it. You know I needed rigor. I needed that 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 ethical rigor um, and research and and I think research can be applied to to traditional healing just as much as it can be applied to um, to anything else, you know, because it gives us a level of accountability, which I think is essential for anything, any profession, doesn't matter what we do. Um, so there was, a term, there was a term that's used by Rudolf Steiner, who was a scientist, he had a PhD, and he, he coined the term spiritual science. And that I would say that's what I do. I, I do, I continue to research with my own methods and apply that to healing because what, what are, the only thing that matters to me is that I get a better result with my patients. That's all that matters. Um, and, um, and applying scientific ethics and rigor, but with methods that we can access the spiritual world through. And they give us, you know, we, and, and that doesn't in any way exclude what we observe in the physical world that's you know that's that's all this is just adding another layer to that um a deeper insight and um and actually i find it makes things even more efficient so where do i sit on that spectrum i mean i don't know i like to say i sit in the middle <laughs> okay yeah. yeah it's actually the the middle is the middle path the middle point you know, it's a it's an important Buddhist concept. It's an important concept in esoteric Christianity, which which I embrace as well as as Hindu and and our you know what we have in Bali. There's so much of it which is which is well pre-Hindu. You know, a lot of Polynesian stuff, hmm. um, which predates. Which you know, you bring an Indian Hindu here, and they're like, "This isn't Hinduism. This is different." And I say, "That's that's right. It's not. It's its own thing." Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and we, and yeah, so this this middle path, the middle point where we um, where we accept both both let you know there is there is an intellectual evolution that ha that is happening that always has, and um, I kind of yeah I guess. I mean I didn't really do it by. Uh, on purpose, but I would bridge. I, th I kind of see myself maybe as a bridge between east and west, but with keeping within the spiritual traditions of both. Yeah, right. and so and so, applying scientific rigor to it. Yeah. So yeah. on that scientific point, sort of, mm. you had you had sort of a, the belief in this field from the tradition, but that scientific path sort of added the confidence, knowing that there was that backup 
so that you could move forward with a bit more com- with more confidence saying no there's there's things to support this outside of what my me and my culture believe essentially um yeah that's a you know what like i mean to be quite honest with you cuz I, i mean i went to a university in australia and i've practiced in australia first mm-hmm. and yeah you know what in australia and i think in a lot of the western societies we you know there was a, there was a there was always this feeling that i needed to validate myself you know right. and there was a lot of that you know fear of the authorities you know there was a and there still is i mean they they hate natural medicine in most western societies it's a really sad thing because they're losing their own traditions um germany you know they have incredible old traditions going back thousands of years just like we have in bali but um yeah it's um i would i would be to be honest with you yeah i i used to look at it almost like as a way to validate myself to be yeah mm-hmm. uh if i looked back on things now i i don't even really care if people see what degree i had or or anything like that yeah. um but it was a path i had to i had to go on um astrologically it, it yeah there there were there were reasons um and was, yeah 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 i think what it what i see it gave me was the ability to research which i continue to apply you know i i still apply those research um principles to you know everything that i teach and everything i put together and things like that and then apply it in practice and see what what works you know um yeah so there's a kind of a yeah it, it brings in a, a kind of an objectivity i guess um and i would say that may come at a cost and the cost of that would be um perhaps a dampening down a little bit of just purely spontaneous intuitive insights that that a lot of the balinese healers get or um you know a lot of the balinese or, or you know actually a lot of healers around indonesia work you know they're directed by spirits or um or spirits i don't know but it's usually more kind of personal spirits so yeah i think um i kind of perhaps lose a bit of that um but i guess it keeps me grounded in other ways yeah. yeah yeah so i guess you could say that because you've taken this path it's a little bit harder to surrender fully in the same way um that that these other healers because they they don't have to have they don't have to add a logic a layer of logic to what they yeah. do it's full belief yeah. full surrender essentially yeah Okay. Yeah, and I I still need that logic, you know. I still need it and I still need a like a solid principle to work on mm-hmm. to work with and and now but yeah, what what are, what's happening with I guess the way I work is it's coming out of I I try not to call myself a homeopath anymore for example, you know. And I actually I don't like to call myself I don't call myself a healer. Mm-hmm. Um intentionally because we all heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um you know, um it's more about a sort of a a facilitator i guess a facilitator of healing where we allow space and we and we um perhaps look for a catalyst from nature that will initiate a person's personal you know person's um individual path of healing because you know they're coming with with their problems and with with all sorts of stuff but i the, the longer i do this the more i realize that when we don't heal anyone you know no healers heal anyone mm-hmm. and if they do you know you know that's one of the universal principles is that we all have the innate capacity to heal ourselves we just need you know sometimes it's it's about less doing less actually yeah we're yeah. almost like our own worst enemies yeah yeah you need to get out of our own way essentially get out of your own way yeah exactly for sure yeah when it comes to sort of using um natural let's call it medicine for a lack of a better word now sort of um what what is your approach to that and you know what is your philosophy on 
the role of nature in in, in the herbs or teas that we make or, or, or that you make, what is the role of that in sort of today's health, uh, health spectrum essentially? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a big, that's a big one. Um, so <laughs> the, I'll just come back to the word cosmology. Okay. So true holistic or natural healing, transformational healing, needs to view um, the individual as a microcosm within a macrocosm. Mm -hmm. So that's an essential, like, and uh, my dad taught me that, actually, my father. He, he, he used to talk about that a lot. And um, so we are part of a cosmology. And, and knowing that... Um, that brings order to the perceived, to, to what it could be perceived as a chaotic world that we live in, you know, full of chance and full of this and that. So one of the big things that has actually, I believe, been lost in a lot of traditions, including in homeopathy um, and, and like Western herbal medicine especially, and even to a degree here, is the understanding of the link between plants and minerals and rocks Anything, all of this, all of this bounty that's around us, um, it's um, understanding the astrological connections to that. And in Bali, we live by an astrological calendar. Everything is astrologically uh, coordinated. You know, you can look on the Balinese calendar, which day to cut your hair, which day to plant the rice, which day to cut a tree down, blah, blah, blah. Everything's on there. It's all, and that is the, that's a, um, that, and that is a, you know, we live in a, a society and an island and a culture here, which still exists within that cosmology, which is a, you could say it's a, a perennial, you know, I think um, Aldous Huxley, you know, he wrote that book, The Perennial Philosophy or whatever it was. And, um, and these are, these are like sort of eternal things that don't change as long as existence is still here. The moon goes through phases, quite, you know, and the tides rise and fall in connection with the moon. And, and, and no scientist will ever deny that, right? So, um, and the sun changes its position as the, as the seasons go. And um, so what I do now, and this is, this is fairly recent, actually, this is what I, I consider the kind of the big... I think breakthrough in how I work is actually looking at astrology. A in terms of how I select herbs. So I'm I'm cataloging as we go, um, mostly local things that I make myself. Single, we call them uh, simplicia or single herbs, single plants, to astrological signs and also planets. I look at the astrology of a person. And again, there's many ways to skin a cat, as they say. You can look at Balinese astrology, Western astrology, Vedic astrology. There's many different ways. Um, and and looking at that actually is a basis for then going into the into researching because it, you know the ancients left us an incredible system. Um, they left us the organs that correspond. They left us a whole physiology basically of this um of our connection to the to the stars and to earth and uh yeah my, my kind of way i work with that is is through the astrological correlations um that brings it brings a, a very it brings a meaning you know it brings a deep meaning and and also much deeper effects that those herbs can have on us. You know, it's not just about this is a good herb for the liver. This is a good herb for the liver, which is connected to Jupiter, which is connected to Sagittarius, which is connected to Briaspati. And the, the beautiful thing is that um, the days of the week and the planets are consistently the same in every culture across the world. Mm. That That's a perennial philosophy if you wanted one. Like, Bali, they're the same. In India, they're the same. In Europe, they're the same. In Egypt, they're the same. In like, it's everywhere. Um, and also the the acknowledgement of the astrological 
science. So, yeah, working within within a cosmology that I dare say one day we will transcend. You know, I always make sure that I'm I never attach myself to a system. It's one thing that I tell myself every day. I said I'm ready to throw this system I've created in the rubbish bin when I find something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, it's the this is the biggest problem with academia is people become attached to their systems. Um, people become attached to their theses and their discoveries and it's, and it's all ego attack. It's ego and it's survival actually. Yeah. Um, I don't, were you here when Graham Hancock came out? Uh, I didn't watch him. I didn't watch him. Yeah. Um, do you, yeah, do you know about his work? I've just right. just finished his six or eight part series on Netflix, but I know yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunung Padang and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean he stayed here. He stayed in Iba with us. We we helped sponsor the um. That he spoke at Potato Head, of course. Yeah, I missed it. That's uh, um, which was amazing. Um, back amazing. then, but you know, I talked to him about it and because he's always attacked by academia as well. And he said, look, it's just people trying to protect their jobs, you know. And when you do that, you close off possibilities. Yep. And, and one of the tenets of health is, is opening yourself up to potentially greater possibilities in life. I mean, you know. So, so that's one of the things that I would say is, is central is working with these natural substances, but within, within a cosmology and within a, and, um, and that brings order to it. You know, like I say, like in research, research, like medical herbal medicine research has gone in the opposite way. And the other reason I just dropped that masters was because I realized that you know, at the university I was at, they did a quite a famous discovery. They found out that turmeric is more effective than triple antibiotic therapy in treating helicobacter pylori in stomach ulcers, right? Right. I mean, but you go to a doctor today, you have a stomach ulcer and helicobacter pylori, and what are they going to give you? They'll give you antibiotics. They'll give you the triple therapy. No one's going to, none of them are going to give you um turmeric because you can't patent it right so but what i realized with that is that i mean that research took years i mean it took years to get that little bit of information out there that was actually already verified you know in jamu in indonesia for thousands of years right it's just like whatever you know why like why waste all that time and energy on that and and it actually in a way kind of takes takes turmeric out of the greater cosmology because you know turmeric's aligned actually with um with the stomach and but then there's 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 also the psychology of the stomach you know there's this and the stomach is corresponding with the moon there's the psychology of the moon so when you're working with the cosmology you're working with the physical and the psychological and the emotional and even the spiritual realms so you know yeah. Yeah, it just makes life more interesting in my opinion. Yeah. Um yeah. so it sounds like this is a bit more of a it's sort of an expansion of everything what uh yeah sort of for what you've, you've got you've got that basics in the homeopathy and then you've got the sort of the usada tradition but then this is seems like a more a larger expansion that sort of encompasses both in something larger would that be fair to say yeah, yeah. yes it is mm-hmm. and um i i've the, the term i've come up with is transformational alchemy basically mm-hmm. and you know I, I kind of wish there was another word for alchemy um because it has so much ready essentially yeah yeah oh god you know <laughs> some someone said to me like why don't you call yourself an alchemist? I'm like, oh my god! If if you knew some of the people I've I've met that call themselves alchemists, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be in that crowd. That they're all hanging out at wherever. But um, yeah, and and alchemy literally translates as uh, it's an Arabic word actually from Egypt, alchem, which is uh, yeah, and 
yeah, maybe our maybe our word is usada. You know, maybe that's it. You know, and I'm glad I I call it. You're you're making me think of of new things, new ways to to describe this. Yeah. Um, however, I do also need to recognize that I do call on the alchemical traditions quite a lot with the work I do, um, and and so far in Bali, every. Because I'm, yeah, I talk to my father quite a lot about things, about what I do, and he shares what he does. And, um, you know, I explained to him the astrology thing, and he said, Yeah, that's interesting because we would always go to a high priest for our astrology. The, the Brahmin, the Padandas, <clears throat> and, the, and it's not all, you know, there's specialized Padandas who do the astrology, and then you've got healers, and then you've got this. So, I kind of look at it as a way to bring everything into one, you know, into one sort of cohesive um, system, cosmology, cosmological system. Yeah. So I'm, I, you know, for want of a better term, I'm still calling it transformational alchemy because the focus has to be on transformation. I'm not interested in um, Band-Aid effects, whether they be medical or, you know, chemical or, or otherwise, even natural medicine. And um, and also looking at the bigger picture with what's happening in people's lives from a from both listening to their life story, but also um, from the from the astrology that they, that's going on. Yeah. Um, but it is yeah. It, it's it's in a more expansive um, view. And you know what? Ironically, actually, the more expanded it gets the easier it is to work with, mm. the more encompassing it gets, the easier it's more logical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there are logical patterns, but I've always, you know, one of my sayings is also that my goal is always to transcend it one day. One, one day we'll go beyond that one day, you know, with certain people, astrology doesn't matter anymore. It's not what we should define our lives through. Um, but it gives us a, a, a view as to where the challenges and the strengths are in our lives. So I look more at actually augmenting the strengths. And, and, um, and again, I mean, you know, to sound cliche, but, you know, both health and disease are, are energetic um, phenomena. And it's quite simply when you're we're in good health, your energy is moving in the, it's moving with the stream. It's flowing like a like a river flows, you know, down to the sea and, and everything's nice. And when we experience disease, whether that be physical, emotional, mental, um, we're usually directing our energy at something that isn't quite in alignment with our with our destiny. Yeah. It's a little bit like choosing destiny over fate. You know, in Ind Indonesia we have a I think they're both actually Arabic derived words, but when you have a car accident or like your wallet gets stolen or something, you go, ah, oh, nasib gue, ah, uh, nasib aku, yeah. nasib ku. You know, like nasib yeah. it means fate, right? But when you meet a beautiful girl and you fall in love and you go, oh, itu takdir, you know, yeah. that's my destiny, you know? Or you, yeah, I don't know, you you make a, you get a good job, you know, takdir. Like so, yeah. It's interesting subtleties. It's it's about getting on the path of destiny, rather than dealing with the fates. You know what the fates would would have. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of Greek mythology in a way. Well, mm -hmm. Going forward, um, sort of mm -hmm. taking up sort of takdir. Um, yeah. What do you think this sort of space is going? Because you certainly represent a a new generation for this space here in Bali because I don't think yeah. there's really anything in between. You get very new age, which yeah. you know it's it's its own thing, and that's sort of rife uh, yeah. with issues. Um, yeah. But then you also get very traditional, which is not necessarily accessible or it's it's anti antiquated and the next generation of those people aren't really coming up. So where do you see the future of yourself or even just this space in general for Bali? Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, there's one thing that I actually forgot to say before, which I think is actually a really important thing, which may take us into an answer to that. And that is with, with the awareness that we are operating within a cosmology, that we are a microcosm cosm, operating within a macrocosm, any, any healing that we take part in should heal the world right. as well should heal everything around us, including on the spiritual plane. Coming back again, I, you know, Bali, Prihita Karana, it's very mysterious where that whole philosophy even came from. No one actually knows. Hmm. Um, it didn't come from India. You know, it was really endemic to here, and nobody knows. There's no figure that is associated with it. Hmm. But it, it encapsulates a lot of, a lot of kind of just the founding, you know, philosophy for, for how it works. If you, if you heal someone, um, then it, it should work on all levels and it should also, whatever you apply to that healing, whether it be a herb or a homeopathic remedy or something that the creation of that substance should be part of healing the earth. So if we go out and we, you know, if I'm prescribing, let's say, turmeric, and I go out and I cut down a forest so I can plant turmeric to heal someone, then it's I've gone against the, the, the true principles, right? So one thing that, you know, um, what I because this takes me into the answer about what is the future. The future for me is actually um, the further expansion into this is actually farming, is working with the land. Where that, you know, where that healing principle can be applied to the to the clients or the patients. Um, you know, but it then, you know, the and I'm doing it already up in my gardens in Tabanan, and I'm having a lot of trouble, you know, like trying to tell the rice farmers, guys, like stop, stop spraying the crap out of your stuff. I'll buy it off you, I'll do it, you know, whatever. They still don't want to do it. Um, I would get a couple of guys up there who are doing it. And um, yeah, so so this leads into something that goes beyond the individual, which again is it's I think at the beginning of my practice I was very individually focused. You know, you're learning, you're still learning, you you spend hours on a case, you know, studying it on a on a disease, on a condition, and then things expand a bit and you, you start to teach and, and spread knowledge to larger groups. And I see probably the the way um, for Bali particularly, I see this movement toward the toward healing to be something that could potentially really be good for the environment and the social, you know, the social order here and the health of people in general. Because I mean, these farmers, man, they're like they're they're dying young now. They're dying very young. You know they're pla- they're they're spraying Roundup with no masks and and not like it's this whole thing is like it's it's big. Um, sometimes it's overwhelming, but I I feel a calling to from what whatever progress I make with with the practice and with the and then expanding it out to teaching. My my next goal would be to work with land and communities. Yeah, yeah. And to bring, and and again, like actually, it comes back to something even more simple. It's just it's it's land and soil regeneration, yeah. and um, and that represents our body. You know? yeah. The earth is our body, um, our physical body, and so when automatically when we do something to help the earth, we will be we become healthy. I mean, I had this idea once to make a center, like for really, because I treat some heavy cases, like like terminal cancers and stuff like that. And I, you know what? I was talking to one of the patients and I thought, I just want to take you, put you in a hut, make you grow your own food, go and get your own water. And I would, you would probably recover without me giving you any medicine. Hmm. Yeah. Like it's like literally. I mean, we are sick because we are the further we remove ourselves from the natural rhythms and the natural cycles, 
you know, which is why I also love astrology because, you know, it makes, and I do something called sidereal astrology, similar to Vedic astrology, which is exactly aligned with the visible night sky. So if you, you know, if the sun's in Scorpio now, the up in the sky, it's in Scorpio, whereas the Western tropical is not aligned with that. So, yeah, keeping in alignment with those rhythms of nature and taking the healing not just from the individual groups, then out to communities and then out to, to the land and communities, and you automatically, as you expand in that way, you, you the benefit continues to go to that individual level. The individual is not excluded so as insofar as they want to participate in that. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's how I would see that's my hope. That's my hope. Yeah. That's my hope. I'm not I'm not saying I have a, a roadmap to there. I have a I'm not even saying that I'll be able to do it. It's extremely overwhelming. I may <laughs> pack my bags and go to Mexico. <laughs> If it all gets too much, you know what? Like, or I don't know, somewhere. But um, yeah, that's what I would love to see happen. I'd love to see communities taking on that role because yeah, we're we're going in two directions here. You know, society is 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 um yeah, is moving in in two very different directions. And I'm not a I, I'm not an enemy of technology. I I you know we're on Zoom. I do online courses and stuff like that. It's all good. But, yeah, we we are, you know, society in general um, is at risk of of really losing that connection, and that goes for Bali as well. Mm. You know, there's this funny thing I I work up in. You should come up to Blue Lung one day, man, have a a look at the gardens. Um, They've got a hot spring there, and... um, there's this funny program called Smart Ubuds, uh, I know Bali Smart Villages or something, and the smart villages that they put Wi-Fi in, <laughs> in the Bali Bali Banjar, right? right. Uh, and I just, I just, it hit me, you know. I saw these kids who I used to, you know, I used to go up there, cheeky little buggers up there, you know. We used to have fun, and used to, you know, they'd go fishing and this and that. And I go up there, and they're all sitting on phones. In that smart, yeah. in this, you know, in the smart village, yeah, and and that I it shocked, it hit me actually. I was I was very sad, and you know, and I, and I go up, I said, Mangjuna and Ken yeah, I was like, and he just, he looked up like a zombie man. He's like, yeah. uh, back to his phone, and then, and if we keep going there, I mean, yeah, I, I do wonder who's gonna. Because the farmers are all old and they're all uh, and they're dying younger, and who's going to replace them? Who's going to do that work? So you know, I might have to go into farming one day. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Sometimes I fantasize about just going up onto my land there and just building a hut and just like living off the land. Subsistence um, sort of uh, farming, eating what you grow, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, yeah. That's you're you're really healthy when you do that. Um, it's, it's quite a, by complete coincidence. I've just done a story. I, I'm aware of your work, um, Ashton Caraway and Bagawa yeah. Foundation. Three of you are sort of bringing back heritage rice. Um, yeah. Um, and actually, in this next edition, um, uh, I did a feature on Ashton Caraway's regenerative farming. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah they're doing so definitely aware so yeah interestingly you said it's sort of going back to that one agung one alip philosophy it's sort of yeah it, it's, it's it's a two-way thing sort of if you treat the earth better that means it actually gives you the the better vegetation that you need to heal yourself yeah at the same time so it's a it's sort of like a really good in a symbiosis essentially yeah 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 you help me me kind of thing exactly yeah we it's you know that's the old that's the alchemical principle the foundation of alchemy is as above so below so below as above yeah and you know what happens up affects what's down there and what's what happens down here also affects what happens above so there's you know we 
who, who said that? There was an interesting quote. It's like the guy said, the reason I learn astrology is because um, I want the stars. You, you, you can either be controlled by the stars or you can control the stars. It doesn't, yeah, it's not, it's not like your fate is resigned to what what's on your birth chart, you know. Um, we also have an extremely uh, powerful ability to do both. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest battle in any of this is um, getting people to trust and to have faith in, 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 in natural yeah. or traditional remedies and yeah. um, Obviously, I think I think your persona helps because you're not sort of a guy with a, a really long, really long, hairy, long white beard. I mean, you're getting you're getting there. Uh, getting there, man. I'm working on it. The, um, <laughs> the the perception might be like, oh, you know, he doesn't really know his stuff, or he doesn't really know today. You know, he's he's from the old world, but you don't represent. Mm. You're sort of like. Um, People might be like, oh, I'm going to give this a second chance because he is a younger, fresh-faced, also double background. But what do you think What do you think we need or what do you think is needed for this space to be more trusted? Uh, going uh, yeah. I'm sure that's something that you think yeah. about. Yeah, well, well, it is. I mean, I have... Yeah, I, I've been asked, I was asked for a long time to put together a, like a practitioner training course. Mm. And uh, I put it off for, for a very long time. Oops. Um, until recently when I, when I launched it, I finally got the whole, you know, I finally got the cosmology, like how it's all going to work. Mm -hmm. So I think in order for it to go forward, Firstly, the education of there needs to be there, there needs to be uh, a, a kind of uh, yeah there needs to be training you know there needs to be a certification I believe okay every and this isn't just about oh you know you need a degree and this and that no I'm I'm even like uh, you know I'm all about I'm not about necessarily working with old. Um, power structures and things because things are going to change you know it's also in the stars but there needs to be an even higher level of moral and ethical application to that education process mm. why because every every mystery school has levels of initiation you need to do the initiations that's why you know that's why i don't you know i'm not sure if you went to university I mean, I've I've done a couple things, and yeah, you know, it's like ah, who needed to do that? But when you go up and you get your degree, that's an initiation. You know, mm -hmm. you worked your ass off for four years, whatever, five years, six years, mm -hmm. two years. You know, it doesn't matter. But you did, you know, you you did something, and you were held accountable. Mm -hmm. So accountability, I feel, is extremely important. And with the course I put together, you know, yes, okay, I, I have. You know, Tirtu Osada is now registered as an education provider, actually, more than anything else. You know, it's not as a clinic, it's as an education provider because um, what the world is waiting for is uh, for, for this particular thing, if we want to talk about holistic medicine, natural medicine, holistic healing, whatever you want to call it, um, the what the world's waiting for is actually... Um, an education and initiation process, which is in alignment with that paradigm. Okay. So that's why, I mean, when I studied naturopathy in, in Sydney, there were three or four natural medicine colleges there. Mm. There was homeopathy. Homeopathy doesn't exist anymore as a course in Australia. Back then there were at least, I think Queensland had one, Victoria, Western, they, they were all over the place. Naturopathy hardly has anyone enrolling in it anymore. Mm. They took homeopathy out and they just kept naturopathy and it had hardly any students. Mm. I'm a lecturer at the, the Universitas Hindu, Indonesia, in their Ayurveda class, course, 
which is a four year bachelor science program. I do I do seventh semester um, lecturing for them, and their numbers are dropping. Mm. And the re you know I see it as the the reason is this is they all of these places teach within the paradigm of of, of a system that actually doesn't support it. Now they they exist you know within a, a particular education system, which actually doesn't recognize cosmology. They only recognize um, statistical data, which I think is fine as well. I use that, yep. but um, yeah. There needs to be actually a change where, where, where the learning becomes even more meaningful. And you ask me, how do people trust this more? My answer to that is very simple: is that you're effective. That's it. That's how people trust you. Yeah. People don't care what degree you've got on the wall. Uh, that's why. I mean, I'm booked out until April. Yeah. I don't want to get any busy. I'm saying I'm over it. I want other people to do it. I want other people, but I want other people. I want my other practitioners to be busier than me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I see it as a as a changing in in the educational system and and the way and and in, in an, a system that actually operates within the paradigm with as much rigor as you know whatever the board of education says you have to test for someone because like yeah. It's a it's a way to learn. It's a way to become qualified, which is completely in alignment with the cosmology that you're going to work with going forward. Because at the moment, what we have now, and I've yeah, um, and I've you know, I have a few. Uh, I don't want to call them. Well, I'm a mentor to a few people who are in education courses for homeopathy and things, and they hate it. They're like, you should make something different because it's not it's not relevant anymore. It's like. Um, you know, it's it's you know you've got to do all this stuff to to satisfy the board of education's requirements, mm. but the board of education doesn't know the, the doesn't know the next thing about healing. Yeah, right? they operate in a different different paradigm, and and a lot of education systems are based on adrenaline. They're based on the stress response. Mm. That's how you sort the wheat from the chaff out, right? So yeah, where. And you don't retain any of that. I mean, I don't remember any of the stuff I had to learn for exams. I don't know. If, I don't know about you, but like you know, I was cramming the night Very before. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You don't retain it because yeah. you're in. You're in fight or flight. Yeah. I mean that, and that's scientifically proven, by the way. Yeah. Um, sort of so getting survive. Yeah. 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 Survive that. Get your marks. Get a pass or a credit if you're lucky, or distinction if you're really lucky. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I think the way forward is to really design education systems that um, that that work in alignment with the cosmology that you're with that you're working in, and um, and that also you know that that make people accountable at the end of the you know account that's the, that's one of the biggest problems in Bali is accountability. No one's accountable for anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's for everything, but why? Because you know, if you want, you can always pay your way out, or you can do anything, and then it attracts all these fantastic people from around the world who have nothing. They got nothing on them, right? And it even attracts. I know a lot of people who are qualified here that work here who are actually who have actually been banned from practice in their countries. Wow. They can come here, put their sign up. Um, and and make probably make even more money and pay no tax on it, and um, yeah. So accountability, you know, and that's why it comes back to that answer. How do people trust you? Make it effective. Teach it in a way that will make and and um, and continue to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, hold yourself accountable, and um, and yeah. That's it. Responsibility. It's that's Krishna Murti does a beautiful talk on yoga, which is a which which a, I'd love people in Ubud to listen to, you know, because they got no idea what it is. You know, the yoga is just the asanas and hatha and stuff. But, you know, Raja Yoga and it's and it's all of it's all of the yogas in one 
Janana Yoga, Raja Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, uh, Hatha Yoga. Um, and it's, and he explained it like in the most concise way, which is that it is having the, an ultimate level of ethical responsibility. Yeah. I, I never, I, that surprised me listening to that. I'm like, really? Wow. He goes, yeah, it's, it's about living your life in the most, like, as, as ethically as you possibly can. And, um, and that's not about following the law. That's not about following rules. You know, the law is man's law. Man's law changes. Mm. It's about following the laws of the universe, uh, which, which don't change. And that's, yeah, that's one thing I often tell my students is apply something, learn something which is aligned with the universal principle. With a principle that would be the same whether you were here, you're in Saudi Arabia, you're in China, you're in Africa, Europe, doesn't matter. There's there's a law which is constant throughout these. And one of the one of those laws is the law of free will. And, and another law which we can observe in the body is the body has the ability to heal itself. So mm. do what you can, at least, you know, that was Hippocrates' famous first opening lines is first do no harm. That's all. Like, don't do anything. <laughs> you better don't do anything than do harm. Mm. And unfortunately, the medical system has, even though in some countries you still have to take that oath, but they, they have deviated from that. And you know what? That deviation and the lockdown and, and the difficulty and the sort of animosity that they have for natural medicine has actually played in our advantage. I get more and more people seeking it out because the, what, are, what do people want at the end? Mm. They want something that works. That's all. Yeah, yeah. That's the answer. And if you can't do something, then don't do it. Get another job. Do something else. Yeah. Um, that's all. That's all. And, it, and, and if it works, may that thing that you do heal, feed, and provide for, for many other people. You know, may what you do, may what I do, maybe worth tenfold more than what I charge for it or whatever. I wish I didn't have to charge, to be honest with you, but i got to employ 20 people, so, you know, it's, <laughs> i got to do it. And, yeah. It's like a slippery slope. Like, it would be great to incentivize people. It would be great to incentivize people to go into this line of work knowing that they yeah. can offer themselves, but how do you do that without creating a corrupt system where it's only about that. So, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's in preservation of cultural things. That's a big issue. It's, you know, things yeah. made in the body um, or natural, oh, sorry, or, or, you know, cultural dances to uh, make mm. traditional food, et cetera. Like, unless you incentivize it, people leave it behind and take on the modern. Yeah. Um, but then it's a slippery slope of, um, of doing it for the right reasons and not yeah. the system, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, well, that's, again, you know, that's the middle point, isn't it? That's yeah. the middle point. That's the balance. That's life. Without without the wobble, you know, without that wobble in, in our life, we, we're dead. You know, yeah. That's what they call flatlining in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you've achieved enlightenment by then and you can you can – kick the bucket and go to the next dimension. But, um, yeah, you know, may not be, you know, I think I've often explained it as like life is when we're out of balance, it's like this, you're on those wobble boards, you know, and you just go all over the place. And then slowly as you, re as you get closer, the, the wobbles become less and it becomes less of a stress, less of a worry. And, yeah. but the wobble never stops as long as we're still doing something. Every every great spiritual teacher will will tell you that the the most important spiritual growth you will ever experience is through suffering. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's 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 my it's my privilege and it's my honor to see to to be with people in their suffering. Mm. It's not a burden. You know, I look at it as a as a privilege to be honest. And to be, and even, you know, to be, it's not hard, it's not easy sometimes, you know. I've I've shed many tears. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a, 
it's an important part of, um, I think, life. That's when the that's when when we can grow. Yeah, I'm taking up too much of your time here, so um, I, re- I really appreciate. It. I'm sure we could talk on on wider subjects and and, and things, but uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much. This has been really insightful and uh, great, great to talk in depth. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's catch up one day. Come up, have a look at the garden or something one day. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Some intriguing topics covered there with Chokkade, certainly food for thought and topics that we need to keep an open mind for, as with many things in Bali's unseen or Niskala world. Nevertheless, I hope you found our conversation interesting. A huge thank you to Chokkade for his time. If you would like to find out more about his work, holistic healing offerings, or indeed the courses they offer, you can go to tirtausada.com or follow on Instagram at Tirta Usada. That's T-I-R-T-A-U-S-A-D-A. Those links will be added in the show notes. Again, if this is a subject that interests you, please download our January-February edition for free and read all about the Balian Usada in our feature story. Our bi-monthly print edition is also available for purchase for those in Indonesia. That's another way you can support Now Bali. Otherwise, you can subscribe to the podcast, to our newsletter, follow us on social media, or the best thing you can do is share this episode with a friend. That would help us reach more people if you really enjoy what we're offering here. Thank you once again for listening to the Now Bali podcast. This is Eddie Spears. See you next time.